Today on the Midweek Move, we're talking about demon possession, exorcism, and uh, a jailbreak, sort of. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move. We're so glad to have you guys here with us. Whether you find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is, thank you so much for being part of what is happening here online. I'm Dallas, and I am really excited about today's Midweek Move uh, because I have with me special guest, Jaron Hall. Jaron, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> very, very special. Very it is, special. man. This is your first time on with us, right? It is. So tell our audience at home, whether they're watching or listening, who you are. All right. Well, uh... I'm Jaron Hall, and here, over here at the Hill in Place, um, I'm kind of responsible for our, our youth ministry here. And then um, kind of as far as like, you know, my full-time job, I'm a teacher at a, a local high school here and, and coach a little football and um, wife, Sierra. And we got a seventh-month-old in Jace, and right. he's rocking it out. Awesome. Very cool, man. So, Jaron, we're going to be diving into Acts chapter 16. And uh, this is going to be a this is a really cool chapter in my opinion. There's a lot of really interesting things that take place. Uh, so let's jump into. It. I want to encourage you guys who are listening, grab your Bible, read along with us, and I also invite you that if you're listening uh, to it on Facebook, leave comments and let us you know ask questions if you want to. We will get back to you and let you know our thoughts on it. If you have prayer requests, write them in. Um, and uh, just be part of what's happening. Make this an interactive aspect of your life, not just something passively in the background. So let's jump into it. Acts chapter 16. Uh, starting off in verse one, it says this. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. I can never say these words correctly. Uh, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So let's pause right there. Uh, what is special about pointing out? Why is Luke pointing out this aspect, Jaron? Well, he's he's pointing it out because of really just to know somebody like you asked me, like who, who is Jaron? Who is Timothy? Well, right. we first need to know a little bit about his background mm-hmm. and especially to where they're going. And um, again, just important to the context is when we're, whenever we're reading the Bible, whether it's an Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, who is in the Bible? Who are they talking about? What is their background? Because based off of their background is going to depend on the way that they experience things. Exactly. Exactly. Now we have an interesting dichotomy because it's a uh, Jewish mother, but a Greek father. And this pointing this out, it gives us an interesting look at who Timothy is because he basically he has dual citizenship. He's a Roman, he's a Greek, but at the same time, he's considered a Jew. In Jewish culture, um, the the heritage of being a Jew is passed through the mothers. Mm-hmm. And if I, and I, if I understood this correctly, and if we have any individuals who are listening who are more experts, please reach out to us <laughs> let us know. This was started back, back in the day because of the fact that we want they wanted the identity to continue through the mothers because the men are the ones who went to the war. So if you go have a massive war and all the people are slaughtered, well, the legacy lives on through the mothers, through the women. But in Greek culture, the lineage of your identity is passed through the men. Mm-hmm. So here we have an interesting aspect where Timothy is both Greek and Jew, which is also very similar to our very own Paul, who is coming up here in the next uh, verse. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra in Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they knew that his father was Greek. All right, so there's a lot happening in this one verse. What are your thoughts happening here, Jaron? 
Yeah. So again, kind of going back to the background and it says that Paul took him and circumcised him. Well, why would he do that? It says, it says right there because of the Jews who were in that region. Mm -hmm. And so as we talked about in Acts chapter 15, like the chapter before they talked about, you know, is circumcision like, is that necessary for salvation? And what they concluded is that it was not right. And so here in this aspect, it's kind of a little puzzling because after the chapter before they just concluded that you didn't need to be circumcised to be uh, saved. And so right. here, Paul now is taking Timothy and he's getting him circumcised. So why would he do this? And um, from what I've gathered and what I've studied is because that this could have been a stumbling block to the Jews that they were going to. Right. This could have been, this could have negated their ministry that they're going to minister to these Jews who believe that circumcision is necessary for salvation. Right. And so what they're doing is they're removing that stumbling block. And I think there's kind of a lot of interesting things when you think about um, this is, you know, the first time that we're seeing Timothy here. Right. And he he's choosing to essentially go with Paul. He didn't have to say yes. He's, you know, think about <laughs> Timothy here. He had a choice on whether he wanted to be circumcised or not. It wasn't right. it wasn't necessary for salvation. Right. He didn't have to. And so he he chooses to do this. And I think this is very interesting in our culture and, and where we are when it's all about our rights. And, yeah. and here, Timothy, he's sacrificing his right. He had the right to not be circumcised. Absolutely. But yet he was willing to lay down his right for the mission, right. for the sake of the gospel. And um, again, just a lot of really cool things in, in that right there. That's so good. And that, I think that's really, you bring up a, a really great point because a lot of time, we, like I said, we are so big about this is our right. This is like, I don't have to do this. Well, you're right. You don't have to do this. But what are you allowing to stand between you and uh, you having the opportunity to properly express the gospel? Mm -hmm. um, you know, here at our church, the Healing Place, we're very relaxed, we're very chilled. Pastor, he'll wear, you know, a T-shirt sometimes. He'll wear a hoodie sometimes. At the same time, sometimes he wears a three-piece suit. Um but our culture here is that was very chilled. But I know I promise you, when Pastor travels other places, when he goes up to, we have friends up in Ohio at a church there. He he dresses up because that's the culture. Because he knows mm -hmm. when he steps into that place, if he comes up there with a t-shirt and jeans, it may put a block. Yep. And again, he has the right and comfort to do what he wants to do. And the pastor up there, that his friend, would be perfectly fine with him doing that. But he wants to remove the barriers of doing ministry. Uh, this is. Person, this actually spoke to me years ago as a young man. I first graduated Bible college, and I was looking for a place to serve as a as a youth pastor somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I applied everywhere across the nation. I applied to a church in Canada. I don't know if you knew that. I applied to a church in Canada once, and uh, shut down, shut down, shut down. Just no, no, no. Time after time, and I was like, Lord, what is the deal here? You know, I mm -hmm. feel like you called me to ministry, but I keep getting shut down. And at the time, I had a ponytail. I do now, but it was a much more impressive ponytail back then. And uh, and I said, you know, you know, Lord, there. One of the complaints is I have long hair, and the Lord's like, well, you know, do you need to cut it? I was like, well, I mean, it's not. You, I don't have to. You know, the the verse people use to say you mentioned I have long hair is taken out of context. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to do it. You know, according to the scriptures, and he goes, you're right. But what are you willing to stand between you yeah. and what you're calling? So I got up that middle of the night because I I looked at this, and I cut my hair that night, and uh, had short hair for quite a while. <laughs> Two weeks later, uh, our church here actually hired me on to be the kids pastor. The elders called me up. They're like, hey, Dallas, when I'm meeting with you, I thought they were firing me. <laughs> guess they didn't like my media work here. And uh, they're like, no, we want you to start a kids ministry. And so that's how I started kids ministry. But it was, I feel, I feel like that was the act of obedience of going, 
I'm not going to allow anything to stand between me and the ministry God has for me. Yep. And that's what happened here is Timothy's like, I'm not going to allow this to stand between me and doing ministry and reaching the lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this would have been a stumbling block for them. Yeah. And I like what you mentioned, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Because if we were to ask you right now, you know, are you willing to sacrifice your rights for the sake of the gospel? Because you had a perfect example. Like you you had the right. You didn't have to cut your hair. Right. You could have had your hair however the way that you wanted. <laughs> But you sacrifice your right for the gospel. If we were to ask you right now, like, would you be willing to do that? Mm. You know, everybody would say yes because we're in a group and we're in a group type setting. Right. But if we ask you, are you willing to cut your hair a certain way? Right. To, for the sake of the gospel, so that it's not a stumbling block. Right. Then that starts getting a little, a little sketchy. For a little us. sketchy for <laughs> us. <laughs> so, and beyond that, I would say because we're we're talking about becoming more conservative, maybe becoming more relaxed in some ways. Even, mm-hmm. you know, I know people that if you show up and talk to them in a three piece suit, they're going to shut you off because you look like a businessman. But if you come into a more casual, relaxed way, they will be open up to you. So it go, the door swings both directions here. Yep. So good. Uh, man, we're just barely into this and there's so much already happening here. All right. Verse four. Uh, oh, wait, let me talk about this because this is, uh, Paul taking Timothy. Now we know from later uh, scriptures that Paul becomes kind of a spiritual father for Timothy as they travel along uh, verse four, as they went through the cities, they delivered, uh, to them decrees and keep, uh, which, uh, which that, which the, was determined by the apostles. Um, so they're traveling together. They're doing ministry together. They're increasing. Verse five. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and increased in numbers daily. Timothy was doing the work of the ministry, walking with Paul on a regular basis. But we know that it was more than just a, hey, you're working for me. I'm discipling. It became almost a father-like mindset. It was mm-hmm. a father and son. Um, a lot of people really believe that Timothy's father, for whatever reason, was gone. Uh, whether it, I, I'm not saying it was a deadbeat dad situation, but he was not present. Paul stepped in that father-like role. And so they're doing ministry, but also there's a personal relationship. And you have a really unique perspective on this because um, as our student pastor here at the church, uh, your boss is also your father-in-law. So what's that like, that dichotomy of going, this is of putting in the place of, of, of pastor speaking to you as a father-in-law, but also, hey, I'm, I'm your leader as your pastor and your boss. How, how do you manage that and how do you separate that in your head? I think that's a good question. I'm still, I'm still learning it. I'm still managing it. But what, you know, kind of my personal, you know, view on it is it's the same person. Right. And, you know, you know, Pastor Scott is like we say here, the Hill plays like he's just Scott. Right. He's Mr. Scott. <laughs> he's, you know, some people dad. He's a lot of that, but he's still the same person. And I think when you're able to live your life in a way that you don't have to be like, I'm not, I'm not like a show person, right? That's not who I am. (laughs) So I'm just Jaron, you know, I'm Jaron on the podcast. I'm Jaron, you know, when I'm sitting at the house and it's the same way um, with Scott, Pastor Scott, Mr. Scott, um, dad. (laughs) Um, And so I think when you put it in that perspective, um, it makes it a whole lot more simpler and a whole lot more easy. Right. And that, um, again, you're not just being two different people, but you're the same. It's almost like, okay, I'm not going to provide any spoilers, but just recently watched the new Spider-Man. Yeah. And again, that's why I, I, that first question, you know, who is Jaron? Who are you? <laughs> who is Peter Parker? Right. Who is Spider-Man? Like those are questions that, that we ask ourselves. Right. Am I Peter Parker? Or am I Spider-Man? Am I two different people? Am I one? Right. And I think when we're able to live it out and just be who God has called us to be. Right. Not to be two different people. 
um, but to do what God's saying. And I think when you put it in that perspective, like I said, it just makes things a whole lot simpler, sure, a whole lot easier. Again, like my role, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, I'm here at the church. Right. That's a lot of different like responsibilities. Right. But again, I, in each one of those things, I try. Maybe not perfect, but I try to be encouraging. I try to be to be who God has called me to be, to bring hope. Right. Um, and like I said, it's it's kind of a lot lot in there. Yeah, it is. And you have to balance it all out when, in one way or direction because there's a moment where you have to operate in the authority. There's a times where, where, where Scott comes yep. in as, hey, I'm coming to you as pastor right now. Mm-hmm. And we, you have to go, all right, I'm going to respond as youth pastor right now. And there is a, and it's a matter of being open about the conversation, being real with the conversation. I remember years ago, I was talking to a young person and um, I was like, hey, look, here's the deal. There will be times where I'm going to come to you as Pastor Dallas. There are going to be times where we will operate as me just being um, a father figure. Because I was, I was a father figure for this young person for a little bit. And I said, then there are times, especially when you get to adulthood where, you know, it's not going to be Pastor Dallas or Father Figure Dallas. It's going to be I'm a friend. Well, because you're an adult, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I'm having to work that out right now. One of my mentors um, is I'm having to make that transition. He was a father figure for me. Uh, he was my youth pastor for me, and now uh, we're co-workers. And so I have to work at the co-working aspect. And then he's a friend, and I have to go. Okay, what is the situation? <laughs> you and I have to work that out. I was your yeah. youth pastor. I was your kids pastor. We're friends. We're co-workers. Like. And it's a matter of just having open, honest conversations with people going, hey, look, this is where where we're at right now in the moment. Yeah. And I think part of it is it's about timing Mm. and season. That's good. And, you know, this is a problem, I think, in our culture. It's a problem myself. You know, in my head, there's so much stuff going on. Right. And, you know, like sometimes, like, it may even seem rude because I'm just thinking about so many different things. Mm -hmm. But I have to be present-minded. Where am I right now? Right. Like when I'm with my family, where am I right now? And I'm thinking about maybe families who are getting together for <laughs> holidays, and maybe there's a lot of things going on. Right. And maybe there's maybe some feuding. Maybe there's some fighting. Right. But when it's Christmas time and we're at the dinner table, we don't have to discuss all that right now. Right. Let's just be family. Let's s- celebrate what, what God has called us to. Mm. And I th- like I said, I think it's a lot about just timing, being present-minded, knowing the seasons. Word. Um, again, knowing where you are in that moment. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's continue on. Verse six. Uh, now, when they had gone through um, Phygra, Phrygia, I don't know how to say that, into the region of Galatia, which was who the book of Galatians was written to, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is interesting. They were forbidden by Holy Spirit to preach. I think a lot of times people feel like, well, wherever I'm at, I'm going to do it. Maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to say something just yet. Yep. Or maybe he doesn't want you to go to a certain place. Verse seven. After they had come to uh, Mycia, they tried to go into Bithyon, but the Spirit did not permit them. So now we have Holy Spirit not just permi- uh, forbidding them to speak in certain places, but not even allowing them to go into places, which is, it kind of rubs us as charismatics, as evangelist, uh, as evangelist, evangelistic, uh, the wrong way. We're like, I should preach the gospel wherever I'm at. I should be going into wherever I want to go to with the gospel. Maybe <laughs> the Lord doesn't want us to do that. Yep. And that's a check in our spirit sometimes. I know for me, when I was doing ministry years ago um, in, in Dallas area, uh, we went to some very sketchy places and some very um, some places I know a lot of Christians would be very uncomfortable. And I remember going in there with one of my leaders like, hey, look, uh, this particular ministry we're going into uh, your job is not to preach the gospel and to pull out a Bible because that's just going to shut people off. Your job for the moment is just to be present. Yep. And that was a mind shift for me mm-hmm. going, you don't want me to, to 
to tell people about their sins and tell people to repent. No, no. They just need to know that you love them for this moment. And that was that was a crazy mindset. But that's a biblical mindset. Sometimes you're not supposed to talk. You were in a very particular situation as a school teacher. You can't just walk up in there, <laughs> but so, thus saith the Lord, and <laughs> preach to all these kids from the from the the grounds because you'll get fired. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you know this, this is right in line with what we're talking about and being kind of present minded. Mm. We talk about you know the ultimate question: What is the will of God for my life? Right. Well, and when we're reading here, um, this maybe that's not the question we should be asking. Maybe what's the will of God in my life in this hour? Mm. What's the will of God in my life today? Right. And not to get overwhelmed with this all inspiring question, but to break it down and, and to um, make it very, very practical in what God's telling you. And I think it's um, kind of go with, with the school teacher um, analogy you know, the best way that you can be a witness is to live your life. Right. And we can see that's what makes this testimony of Paul so great, that he didn't just talk about it. He didn't just say all these things. He literally lived it. Timothy, they they talk about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They sacrifice so much for the sake of the gospel. And, um, again, they lived their life the right way. And I think this, this journey that they're on and that we're going to read – it starts out with a bunch of closed doors. Mm. Hey, we're going to go to here. No, we're forbidden. <laughs> hey, we're going to go to here. Well, we're not forbidden, but Spirit told us not to. The Spirit did not permit them. Right. They had the right to. Word. They could, but that's not what the will of God had for them in that moment. So good. And I could be wrong, but I believe later down the road, they actually end up going to where they were intended to and where they were Forbidden. I could be wrong, right? Um, but I believe, like I said, it just wasn't in that moment, right? In that time, and what God was calling him to. Absolutely, so good, so good. All right, uh, verse eight. So passing by uh, Masia, and and other translations they say passing through. That's what that passing by. They didn't just bypass it. They actually went through that city at one point. They came down to Trails, which is a port city. This is a place where they have options. They could have gotten wherever they wanted to from this yep. port. Uh, which is interesting because sometimes we're, we find ourselves at a crossroad. We're like, man, I got so many options. What do I need to do? Well, yeah. perhaps it's the example that we see here. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Yep. And I, I got a little bit on that. You know, when, when I read this, you know, God says, closed door, closed door, closed door. Well, they didn't just make a decision and like, Hey, we have to hurry up and react. And we talk about this here at the Hill place a lot. Right. They, they took a moment, they went down to Troas and they were responding. They, they came together as a group. And I think the wording here is interesting. It switches from, they came down to Troas to now in verse 10, um, we sought to go to Macedonia. Right. And so uh, kind of when I was studying, again, a lot of that is that people believe that that's Luke. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Luke joins them on the journey. And I think this is important for us as we're in the process of determining the will of God, that we're, God never meant for us to live life alone. Mm -hmm. But even though it's our life and it's it's not our will, but right. we're, we're joining together. We have a group of people of, of wise counsel that you know we can seek to. And I'm not asking Dallas, hey, Dallas, what is the Lord saying to you 
for me. Right. Like that's not what I'm doing. Right. I'm saying, Hey Dallas, um, I believe this is what the Lord's told me. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is there anything that you know of in scripture that contradicts what the Lord told me? Absolutely. And that's important is a lot of people, uh, they are looking for, uh, somebody to affirm them or say, this is what we're going to do. That's look, what's the Lord speaking to you? A lot of times when people come to us, like, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? What's the Lord (laughs) said to you? Now, if the Lord tells you to go sacrifice a cat, I don't think that's the case. We'll have a conversation about that, <laughs> you know. But that's our, my job as a as a pastor. That's jobs of your friends to go. Well, what's examine what the Word is saying and what the Lord is saying to you, and how does it line up with the Scriptures? Mm-hmm. So that's so good. I'm glad you pointed out the fact that this is now Luke has entered the story. We haven't seen a first person of him since the first introduction where he goes, "Hi, I Luke," <laughs> to all this other stuff. Now he's like, "Hey." Uh, Luke is part of this portion of the journey, which gives it kind of a different feel because now he's part of what's happening. Uh, verse 11, therefore sailing to Troas or from Troas, we ran a straight course to, uh, Semotrace Thrace, and the next day came to Neopolis, um, verse 12. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city, uh, that part of, of the part of Macedonia, a colony, and we staying in the city for some days. So here we got, we're in Philippi, which again, this is where the book of Philippians was written to. Uh, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, this is interesting because uh, typically on the Sabbath day, they would go to the synagogue. That's yep. what you did. According to the Jewish cultures and laws, um, you did not build a synagogue until you had 10 men yep. present. So this is a low uh, Jewish uh, community. Now, a lot of Jews here, there were some women there, though, who were who were kind of pressing the story, who were moving things forward, which is interesting that he's pointing out that there are women here, part of the story. Verse 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Uh, she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, which that selling of purple, that's a, it's a big deal because purple wasn't a common color that you uh, you get there was a process of making that, mm-hmm. so she was a woman who probably had some money. She was a woman who had some connections with uh, higher ups, and so, um, but she worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, and when she had heard, when when she and her household were baptized, I'm sorry, say words, Dallas. <laughs> when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, "If you have judged me." To be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Any thoughts on this passage? Yeah, just a little bit, you know, where they went to, you know, they were going to synagogue essentially to where prayer was was uh, customarily made. Right. And, or where they, you know, where they came together and prayed. And so many times, again, just serves as a reminder that we... So many times, whether we get caught up in busyness or not making a priority, mm. prayer is not a last resort. Right. Like prayer isn't just something we do. Oh, well, I guess all there is to do is just pray. Right. Like that's not a good attitude <laughs> on a prayer. But out of this, um, this is conversation evangelism. Like they're just sitting here having a conversation. And then it says, Lydia heard us. Mm. Like the, like it was just me and Dallas having a conversation. Right. Then all of a sudden Lydia hears us. And I think it's so important and an emphasis on how much our words are important. So good. Like thinking about, you know, if Paul would have been just complaining, 
well, we were going to go here, but God told us <laughs> no, and we were forbidden. Had they had been negative, had they had been not a good example, um, Lydia probably wouldn't have liked what she was hearing. Yeah. But apparently she did, and that's you know that opened the door for salvation. And um, again, just another reminder to us of how important our words are, and that, that they're always people are always watching you, whether you know it or not. Right. And here again, they probably didn't know Lydia was watching them. Yeah. But here she was, just in a moment. They weren't going out to necessarily just go to Lydia and get her saved. Right. But it was just a part of their life. Exactly. So good. So good. And and it's I, I love that you point out just talking about Jesus with other people. That seems weird for folks. Like it's like, hey. We're at a coffee shop. We're just talking about the Lord. Just talking about what he's done. That that freaks people out legitimately. But look at the biblical example. They're just they're at a river. They're praying because that's what you did. But they're talking about the Lord, and a whole household gets saved. How many people can get saved by you just simply talking casually with a friend at Panda Express, eating some Chinese food? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just how whole household gets saved. I believe that can happen. That's so good. <laughs> All right, verse sixteen. This is where it's going to get really interesting here in a minute. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters uh, much profit by fortune telling. Now this is a, um, this is a young girl. Uh, she's owned by these individuals. Now this isn't slavery like what we have here in the United States, mm-hmm. but she's definitely owned by these guys. And she seems to, through some demonic forces, uh, interesting that the spirit of divination, um, the root there is actually like a spirit of Python, which is, uh, both the snake, but also a, uh, kind of a demonic force that was attached to Dionysus. Um, and, but she was somehow had second sight for fortune telling somehow. Verse 17, the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, this sounds like a good thing, right? This <laughs> sounds like a positive thing. Oh, we got this person telling everybody what we do. This is good. Yeah. Verse 18, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So Paul's annoyed. Why would Paul be annoyed about somebody just proclaiming what they're doing? Yeah. And I think it's very interesting, you know, just the question of why, why mm-hmm. is she doing this? Why, why was all this happening? Mm-hmm. And again, kind of studying into it, you know, first, you know, she's doing this in a mockingly way. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, making fun, um, just making a mockery of the church and what Paul's doing and his mission that he came. Um, and I think, you know, why Why would she want to do this? Well, there could be a couple of reasons. Maybe just to show people that, you know, this spirit of spiritualism, mm. like whether it's by fortune telling or whether it's by Buddha or Muhammad <laughs> or Jesus, you know, we're all going to be, you know, we're all going to end up in the same place anyway. That You mm. know, that could be um, a very well reason uh, of why she was just, again, trying to mix um, everything together. Um, but I think, again, very interesting that, this didn't just happen one day, right? You know, it wasn't just Paul having a bad day on a short fuse, <laughs> you know, just get, getting mad at her, you right. know, commanding the spirit out. But this happened for many days, right? And so, you know, why would why would Paul care about what she said? Well, he cares about the church, right? He cares about that that she's making a mockery of of what the the church came and, and Jesus and this mission. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know then he commands the spirit out of her. Yeah. Now I find it interesting that it took many days before Paul went, 
I, you're out of here, demon. You're getting out of here. And I find that interesting because a lot of us, we have this mindset of immediately we're just going to do stuff. We're going to, we're going to walk into a situation and we're just going to, we're going to just wipe the floor with everybody. <laughs> but this kind of, this is a running theme, this chapter. Yep. Maybe it's not the season for you to do that. Maybe it's not what God has for you in the moment. It took several days of Paul walking through the city, doing life with people, ministering as he would before he took authority over this young lady. Sometimes people are just being dumb. And you living the life in front of people is necessary. It's seeing the patience, the peace you have throughout the situation. And then, yeah, there is a breaking point where you're like, all right, like enough is enough. <laughs> For me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord yep. and call it done. And so here he is. He ta- calls it done. He takes this demon out. Now, he didn't spend three hours in a room with this woman and yelling and shouting and asking the woman what the demon's name was. He just did it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's important for people to understand is taking authority does not mean you got to do all this crazy stuff like you see in the movies. It's simple and done. And I, I think it also kind of goes to the point of, of by Paul doing this, he's showing these people that my God is greater than the, the God or gods or whatever she's serving. <laughs> and I think just, again, a great testimony. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Verse 19. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragging him to the marketplace and uh, to the authorities. So here they are. They're like, oh, man, our money is gone. Our, our ticket is gone. Yep. And so now they're angry. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceed, uh, exceedingly trouble our city. I think it's funny that they're not bringing the magistrates going, hey, they took away our moneymaker. They're, they're, they're shifting it away from that. And they're saying, look, these guys are, are causing problems in the city. Uh, verse 21. And they teach customs which were not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. So their, their accusations they're bringing against Paul is really, is they're trumped up charges. They're saying, look, they're, they're disrupting the peace. And, you know, we as Romans, we're not supposed to do anything cultish looking. Like that was actual rules in Rome. Like you weren't allowed to do certain things that were considered to be occultic, um, counter what Rome had said was appropriate. And, but it happened all the time. But they, they bent those rules when they needed to. So they were bending some rules or they were, they're calling in some rules uh, just for the sake of persecuting Paul and, uh, and his companions at the time. Verse 22, Then multitudes rose together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Now, it's interesting that those jailers being asked to keep them securely because it, it seems like the magistrates, they're a little bit fearful of the situation. They seem to have an understanding of who Paul and his crew may actually be. Uh, verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Yep. And just kind of going through maybe just kind of 2024, just kind of my kind of notes is that these men being Jews, verse 20. Yeah. You know, this wasn't because they were Christians. Right. This was because they were Jews. Right. And this is almost like anti-Semitism. And, yeah. And uh, as they kind of go through this, and we'll hear about it later. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul was a Roman citizen. You right. know, Paul had the right to a fair trial. Right. And here in this aspect, obviously none of that was given. <laughs> and um, and I looked into what a stock was you yeah. know, as far as they put their feet in stocks. And basically, you know, they would be sitting down 
and there would be two pieces of wood on each of their legs so that you wouldn't be able to move and you know they would lock the pieces of wood together so that your legs were stuck right and so just kind of interesting yeah uh, in that it's very much the reverse. Like we see like in the old Westerns where like they put the people's heads and their arms through like kind of stuff like that. This was like, it locked their feet down. All right. So verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Now this is interesting to me because what does Paul write to the church of Philippians? Rejoice in the Lord always. The church in Philippi knew that this is something that happened Paul was in prison and he rejoiced and praised. And now he's telling them to rejoice always. So when he wrote that in Philippians, the the, the local community who read that, they went, hey, he did that. He lived this out in front of us actually in real time. And they saw some amazing things happen as we're about to see. <laughs> yeah. Verse 26. Suddenly there were there was a great earthquake. So the the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from the sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the uh, prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why was he about to do that, Jaron? Well, uh, back in this time, you know, that if the prisoners were to escape, these people watching over the prisoners, these jail keepers, that they were going to be punished with the same punishment that these prisoners were. Right. So these prisoners, probably not very good people, <laughs> um, may have murdered, may have been sentenced to death. And so right. they, they by law, were going to be sentenced to death for that punishment to kind of right. um, yeah, take the punishment. Absolutely. Now, there's also some people who suggest that not only would he have been punished, his entire family would have been punished for this whole ordeal. So this is that my man is suddenly in an instant dealing with grief and depression. Yep. And he's when it's in the midst of, again, this is a miraculous thing. Earthquake has happened and everything's been loosed. Yep. And kind of before that, I, I just wanted to point out really quickly that Paul and Silas were singing and praising before this all happened. Right. That in the middle of, again, closed door, closed door, closed door, they get to where they're supposed to be. They get thrown into prison, no fair trial, you know, all these things that could have been coming against them. And we think in our American culture that we've been persecuted <laughs> and we've had hard times and we've had trials. No, this is what a really hard time, <laughs> a really bad trial. And again, they had the right to complain. They had the right to be negative, you know, to cry out, God, why would you do this? Right. But what did they do? They prayed, they praised God, they sing hymns. And I think this is very interesting. They didn't praise and, and worship because of the circumstances. I think a lot of people kind of get misconstrued that that we're to praise God because of these circumstances. Right. No, we're praising God in the midst of circumstances. Right. You know, the, the scripture says, give thanks in all things. Right. Not because of the circumstances, not because of all things, but through it and in it. And what I think is, is so cool and that su- such spoke to me is that these chains were loose, these, you know, stocks were open, and the same thing can happen in your life. Right. In the middle of trial, in the middle of tribulation, when you're going and there seems like there's <laughs> no hope, whether it's midnight, whether it's the middle of the night, start praising God, start giving thanks. And the same thing that happened here will happen in your life spiritually. Word. God will open up those chains that, that held you down, that weight, that bondage that has been pressed upon you in a split second by praising him in that freedom and in that um, spirit. God can do the same thing and set you free and yeah, an earthquake can literally happen in your spirit. Right. And, and just, <laughs> Preaching now over here, brother. <laughs> yeah. This And this earthquake, you know, 
we don't we didn't have the Richter scale back right. then to see how big of an earthquake this was. But to do all that, it had to be a pretty big one. All right, so verse uh, twenty-eight. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, "Do yourself no harm, for we are all here." Which is interesting because he could have just like, "Oh, hey, what's gone? We're, we're out of here." Just like we saw just a while back with another uh, apostle, where he's like, you know, in prison, he's free and uh, goes to the house. Some of you guys remember that from the previous midweek move. Make sure you guys check that out. <laughs> <laughs> But he stays. Verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. All right. And now it's interesting that he's saying this. That Luke's not here. Luke, like, for, for whatever reason, Luke has not been in prison in this moment. Yep. Verse um, 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is a, a key question here. This is not talking about being saved from the situation. Mm -hmm. The connotation is specifically a salvation of the spirit. Verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. There's not, you don't have to do all kinds of stuff. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to, to <laughs> clean up your life. There's a lot of people who think they have to get their, their life straight. I, I have a, somebody I talked to that, uh, I love them very much, and they're they're like, "Well, I just done too much for the for God to save me." You don't have to clean up your life to get saved. Yep, you got to believe. Now the cleanup happens, but that's all you have to do. And I think that's just a great testimony. You know, I, I felt the same way. Like, yeah, and I've done too much. I've gone too far. And you know, like for me, I guess one of the things that that I've always had to deal with, kind of in that, I guess you know, guilty spirit is. I, you know, I've known the Bible since day one. Right. Like, you know, I came out the tomb or at the womb, not mm -hmm. the tomb, but I was given, you know, a Bible and I, I knew what to do, but I, I chose a different path. Sure. And I think that's kind of the beauty of salvation that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do things wrong because I didn't know. I knew it. And I said, God, your way isn't good enough. I'm, I'm choosing this and out of disobedience, you know, those are the types of things that that can make you feel like, man, I've gone too far. I knew what I was supposed to do, right. but instead I chose a different path. How mm. could God ever forgive me? And again, the testimony after testimony through this entire book, Paul was, <laughs> again, Paul, what a perfect example, right. persecuting Christians, doing terrible things. Right. If Paul can do the same thing, or God can do the same thing in Paul, he can do the same thing in you. Word. And kind of in here, just some things that I kind of took note, you know, um, believe in your household will be saved. Now, they weren't talking about like, you know, if the father gets saved, the whole household gets saved. Right. It's very clear that as we go on to read that each of them had to make that decision and each of all of his family were baptized. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has to make their own individual, but there is a key aspect of of bringing that in. Just like we saw with Lydia, her she brought that into her family right there. Now, I want to bring this out because we had a we had uh, in a previous episode we talked about um Philip preaching to um, the, a, um, a, uh, oh my goodness, I forgot what the word was now for him, but the, um, a, a man who was on the chariot, why is my brain blanking? I apologize guys. <laughs> but anyways, um, we had something, uh, write in and say, Hey, you know, you know, I appreciate you handling that, this particular verse where it talks about, you know, believe in the Lord, your God, and you'll be saved, uh, with all your heart. And, uh, because that passage, that verse in that, in that original chapter is not present in the earliest manuscripts at all. It's, it's just not present. It's what, something that uh, may have been added later. And there was a question about, you know, why is that allowed and why is it not allowed? And um, I talked to the individual. There's there's some conversations of it, you know, perhaps that was a historical 
uh, context saying that uh, he had actually said that to the guy. Mm-hmm. But it's also not necessarily that's not found in the scriptures. We find that idea in the scriptures. So even if you're one of those individuals who struggle with the concept of variant texts where uh, perhaps uh, King James and all those other ones, were, there's texts that were added to this later, nothing in the scriptures throughout these variant texts where either you add or remove some stuff is contradictory to the whole word of God. Everything is found elsewhere in, in, in context. So here we have, believe the Lord your God, Jesus Christ, uh, and you will be saved, you and your household. That is a staple belief of the church, 100% found everywhere throughout the word of God. Uh, verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, all, to all, <laughs> and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Verse 34, now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed God with his, uh, believed in God with all his household. It's interesting. This is the jailer. This is the guy that's supposed to make sure they stay in prison, perhaps punish them a little bit more. And now he's feeding them. He's caring for them. <laughs> it's awesome how, you know, in the midst of persecution, the Lord will turn things around and you'll be blessed and taken care of by you, by those who hate you the most at the front end of things. Yep. And again, just point something out that we hear all the time, but it's so true. When Paul Paul lived this, Paul right. didn't you know read about this like <laughs> beforehand. Paul didn't know the end of the story. You right. know, he knew that God would protect, protect them and, and what God has told them, mm-hmm. but he didn't know how it was going to unfold. Right. He lived it. He was in the middle of it. And so as you're going through life and you feel maybe the same feelings, like there's no hope, we're in prison, we're chained, we're shackled, um, God could be doing more than you think he's doing. Like, you know, at the beginning of this story, when he said no to all these open doors, I, I know that God is always doing more than you think he's doing right now. He's right. doing something in my life right now. I don't even know it. Maybe setting up divine <laughs> appointments, um, doing all the, all these things that we have no idea. But it's because he is God and he knows way more you know, than we could ever ask or think. And through that, you know, a whole household might be saved. And out of that whole household, like we were talking about, the next generation is saved. And it's, again, a God of not addition, but multiplication Word. down the family line because of maybe Paul's decision, a whole lineage, a whole generation, a whole family tree was changed forever. Absolutely. So good. So good. All right. Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So they're like, all right, We've, we've, we have appeased the crowds. Just let them out. We don't, we're, we're not done worrying about them. Verse 36. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent, uh, have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. Verse 37. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out, put us out uh, secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. He's calling these guys out because he knows they were wrongfully imprisoned. As Romans, they have violated their rights, just as you pointed out. He's like, all right, now they got to suffer the consequences. They, we're not doing this secretly. Tell them to come talk to us in person, which yeah. is it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, when I kind of read this, and I was like, that was kind of a little bit bold of Paul. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like, why would he do this? Well, you know, one of the reasons why is because he cares about the the way the church is viewed. Right. And that if they were um, unjustly trialed, well, then who else? Because they, they, again, they weren't even Christians. They were just being 
persecuted again originally just As because just Jews. Jews. Yeah. And so, yeah, he does that again. Um, why? Because, you know, when they're telling the story, hey, didn't that, that Paul and Silas, didn't they uh, get persecuted and went to prison? You know, they, they were bad people. That, they, that could have been public opinion because yeah. that's what people just somebody read in a news article or a right. newspaper. <laughs> Absolutely right. And that's a great point that is that public opinion. I mean, that's a big ordeal. But he's like, let's do this openly. Let's have them call us out. Let them uh, release us publicly. All right, verse 38. And the officers told these things and words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. These guys didn't even take time to th- ask questions. They're like, oh, these are Romans? Like, now they're worried because, you know, to do this to another Roman, that was a big ordeal. Now they were on the hook. <laughs> verse 39. When they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, who we just spent the front end of the chapter, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Yep, so many things in there. Again, I think so many little stories. Mm. Lydia being saved, Timothy joining the scene, mm-hmm. um, this this jailkeeper and his family, um, all these different testimonies, and and how, again. The story of Timothy is completely different. The story of Lydia is different. The story of Jailkeeper is different. And I think that's why our, the, the church as a whole is one of the amazing wonders of the world. Word. That how me and Dallas are two completely different people, right. but we're joined together in unity because of one God. Right. And I, 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 again, it amazes me every Sunday when I look around and I see all these people that I get to do life with and I get to have worship with. And again, it makes no sense that I would ever, uh, you know, ever meet Cassie or I would ever meet, you know, Brian or anybody, but because of the God that we serve, right. that we could all come together and we all have different likes, different giftings, different, again, all that stuff, but God can use that and unify us. And again, just that, um, that message of unity is, is so amazing mm. and, and just, again, it's really cool. So good. So good. And that kind of leads me to this. For those of you listening or maybe you're watching right now, um, this Jaron brings up a great point. These are very different people from very different backgrounds. Everyone going through some stuff. Lydia was a was a Jewish woman by by all rights. She was a she was a solid Orthodox Jew. Timothy was a man living in two different worlds, Jewish and Greek. And then we have just a Greek soldier who has experienced God, and the Lord has made room for everybody at the table for them. And maybe you're listening, and and there's two of, there's two groups. I'm, I'm really sensing right now listening. There's those of you that somehow you found us, and you're like, I don't think there's room at the table for me, Dallas. And I don't know how you found this podcast. I'm glad you're here. There's room at the table for you. God has made space for you to have salvation, to have hope, and to walk in his grace. And all you have to do is believe in Lord Jesus Christ all your heart, just like the jailer, and you will be saved. At the same time, there's some of you, you're living in one of these worlds. You serve the Lord, but the Lord's trying to tell you, hey, um, there's some other things that you need to be uncomfortable with. You need to 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 circumcise yourself in some fashion. Don't don't go out and cut yourself. We're not telling you to do that, <laughs> but there's a spiritual circumcision that needs to take place because he needs to prepare you to reach people that you haven't thought about. There's people who you have, aren't expecting to reach, and you have a voice to reach out to them. You just have to be willing to be uncomfortable for a minute to reach them. And the Lord's really trying to stir something inside of you. And 
Either way, if that's you, or maybe you're the first party, and you want prayer, you want somebody to pray with you and to walk you through this, help you take your next step, reach out to us. You can email us at mediahub at thbstreetport.com, and we'll, one of our team will reach out to you. Reach us on any of our social media platforms. Uh, we're primarily on Facebook for Midweek Move, but message us, let us know how we can pray with you, encourage you, help you take the next step. Uh, Jaron, any, I feel like you did, but any last thoughts on this passage? Yeah, just kind of the beginning theme that we started out with. What are you willing to sacrifice? What right are you willing to sacrifice? Again, like Dallas was saying, God maybe hasn't called you to a certain group of people. Mm. Like for me, you know, God hasn't just called me just to the football team. Right. Or, or again, maybe some of us, um, God's calling you to, to go into a different type of ministry or a different um, open door. And again, that's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> sacrifice is never comfortable. Right. But it is good, and God will always use it um, for for His good. And again, as Dallas was talking about. Um, if you're on right now and you feel like there's no hope, mm. the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Life is too short to live in a spirit of depression, of hopelessness, just like that jailkeeper mm. about to take his own life right there. But a second, God changed everything. And I know right now God can have this moment and everything can be changed just like he did in that jailkeeper. He can do it in your life. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, I'm enjoying this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this Bible study. Reach out to us again. Let us know what, uh, what the Lord is speaking to you about. Share this out with some individuals. Also, want to invite you to do me a favor. Uh, on Apple Podcasts and also on Podchaser, leave a review of this podcast and let people know what your thoughts are. It helps it to get out and to reach other folks. Uh, I want to invite you to be strategic about sharing this out, though. Don't just send it to random people. Strategic, ask the Lord, who do you want me to send this to? Who can be impacted and challenged by this? And send it to them, okay? All right, guys, until next time, have a fantastic week.